Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Vice President, Mr. Speaker, members of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. Indeed, one hour after Japanese air squadrons had commenced bombing in the American island of Oahu, the Japanese ambassador to the United States and his colleague delivered to our Secretary of State a formal reply to a recent American message. Japan has therefore undertaken a surprise offensive extending throughout the Pacific area. The facts of yesterday and today speak for themselves. No matter how long it may take us, to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. That was President Franklin Roosevelt speaking before a joint session of Congress on December 8th, 1941. 81 years ago today, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. It was, in Franklin Roosevelt's words, the day that would live in infamy. The Japanese were negotiating guaranteed peace with the United States helping us lower our guard all while preparing a sneak attack. In addition to the Navy and the Japanese Air Force, they had many submarines they launched. One of them carried Kazuo Matsubara. whose submarine ran aground. They were trying to get these mini submarines. They were two-person submarines into Pearl Harbor uh, to torpedo ships and block the path of exit for ships trying to get out as the attack came in. And uh, those mini submarines were all a disaster. He was captured by the Americans, dragged off to a POW camp, and the Japanese officials came to his home 
and told his family he had been killed at Pearl Harbor. The reason was because under General Tojo, Japanese soldiers were to fight to the death. And if they did not die and they lost, they were to commit suicide. And he did not. He could not. Uh, he was not given the opportunity. And it was a scandal for the family. He was the very first Japanese prisoner of war. It was a morning raid on a Sunday. And it changed everything. Harold Macmillan, the British Prime Minister, I've mentioned this quote, was asked one time by a young reporter after he had taken over as Prime Minister, what could change the trajectory of the Conservative Party's control in Great Britain? And he said, events, dear boy, events. Events change things. There are right now people in the United States plotting their run for the presidency in 2024. Some of them may not be alive. Depending on infirmities, age, unseen health diagnoses, other, other things, they could not, it might change things. Fundamentally, events change things. Mel Carnahan, governor of Missouri, running for uh, United States Senate, died in a plane crash shortly before running against John Ashcroft. John Ashcroft was going to win, uh, but uh, Mel Carnahan's widow received so much sympathy, she won the vote. Events changed things in that seat the GOP was supposed to win. Uh, tragedy can change things. Uh, terror attacks can change things. Uh, wild events Hurricanes and storms, these events can change things. Pearl Harbor changed fundamentally the outlook of the war and the world, in large part because the United States, secure in the Western Hemisphere, away from all of the warring nations, presumed itself safe where it could be neutral until Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. It actually took many, many hours for reports to get back to Washington. I mean, you heard Franklin Roosevelt say an hour after the Japanese attack began, the Japanese ambassador was still uh, pretending that there would be some level of peace. Threw them off guard. What it did was it forced the change of everything in the United States. The United States had largely been neutral while funding Europe. It had stayed out of the, the Japanese Eastern expansion. The United States had become the arsenal of democracy, much as it is today with Ukraine. We are giving Ukraine money, much of which is then returning to the United States in the form of money to buy our weapons to fund Ukraine's war against Russia. And they have been far more successful than people thought. Japan, I forget who the admiral was who said it, but a Japanese admiral said we had roused, the Japanese had roused a sleeping giant. And we did. The United States went from neutrality and isolationism to the leader of the free world. 
We revved up the arsenal of democracy and we turned it on ourselves to build ourselves massive ships and planes to atom bombs. And we never went back to sleep. Yet we are now at this point where it does seem some part of the body of the American public wishes to go back to sleep now. We've done enough. It's time for someone else to lead. And I'll tell you what's happening. Uh, What I find most intriguing is there are parts of the world, and I think this was a profound misunderstanding of the the so-called neocons of the Bush administration, that they could bring democracy to other parts of the world. We could bring democracy to Afghanistan. We could bring democracy to Iraq. I, I think that's a profound misunderstanding, in large part because, one, people are stupid and we live in a fallen world, so people are also inherently evil. We are not an inherently good people. We like to say we are good people. We like to claim to be good. We like to look on people and say that person is a good person, but we are all of us sinners in a fallen world. Not one of us is good, nor does any one of us deserve heaven. And we live in a world where the default, historically, has been dictatorship and despair. Liberal Western democracy is an anomaly on the planet. Even in Western democracies, democracy is an anomaly. There is a story today in the New York Times that in Germany, dozens of people have been rounded up and arrested by the police for plotting a violent coup against the German government. They are convinced a deep state is in control of the German government. They have been influenced by the QAnon conspiracy theories. They were stockpiling arms, doing training, and hoping to launch an all-out assault on the Reichstag. Events change things. It is no coincidence there were Russians involved in the German coup plot. Events change things. Right now, China and Russia are building an axis of evil, and the Chinese president, Xi, has been given a hero's welcome in Saudi Arabia, where he is going to negotiate on oil. You can see it happening right now. A Western alliance pitted against an Eastern alliance of Russia and China fueled by Saudi Arabia that denies us our oil. And in this country and in Western Europe, uh, you have an elitist global bunch led by environmentalists who would deny us nuclear power and deny us access to fossil fuels and deny us our own energy independence. This is becoming the critical crisis point and national security issue of the 21st century. Will the Western alliance, the historic powers of Western Europe and the United States and Canada, stand on their own independent from the East, or will we become dependent on the East for our energy needs? The East expects that we will fail to meet our own needs and be dependent on them, at which point they control us. There is a middle tier of nation state on this planet, not the big elite rich Western powers, not China, not Russia, but these middle tier countries around the world, many of them controlled by dictatorships. And we have for some time wooed those nations to our side. And now we've given up doing so. And China is all about the wooing. And it is far easier for a dictatorial autocrat to woo other dictatorial autocrats than for the land of the free and the home of the brave to do so.
the nation before our, the world before our eyes is realigning around our nation. The world before our eyes is realigning in ways that are deeply harmful to our interests, in large part because so much of this country has decided we can leave the world alone now. We've done enough. The problem for the United States is that in a race, if you slow down, someone passes you. You can decide we are not in a race. But that means you sit down and stop running. We're in a race to innovate. We're in a race for freedom. We're in a race against dictatorial autocratic powers that wish to get ahead of us in the race for resources, for world influence, for so much more. And events change things. 81 years ago today, the Empire of Japan, led by Emperor Hirohito, who at that point was really under the control of Hideki Tojo, the general, bombed our island. Profoundly changed the world 81 years ago. If you've never been to Pearl Harbor, oh, you should go. You can feel what happened. You can feel it. It has an emotional, resonant impact. Seeing the bubbles of oil still coming up from the ships. It changed things. We now here, 81 years removed, have to decide whether we are prepared to go back to sleep or we are prepared to lead because the rest of the world is trying to maneuver around us. And we either keep moving forward or they will push us out of the way. And if they do, it will be to all of our detriment. All of the young, angry voices of social media can clamor and scream and say, we should leave it alone. We need no neocon, new world order. We should stop imposing ourselves on the world. But all that is is a call to surrender and let the Chinese reign supreme. And I, for one, do not think our world, our planet, our nation would be better off if that happened. And I would prefer us not to fall asleep. The giant should stay giant and stay awake because otherwise we will relearn the events of 81 years ago today. A friend of mine and I were discussing bull and branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you wash them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants bull and branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve and right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with bowl and branch bedding their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box it's going to look good it's going to feel great for a limited time get 20 percent off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code eric at bowlandbranch.com that's bowlandbranch b-o-l-l-a-n-d branch.com promo code is eric e-r-i-c-k at bowlandbranch.com 
Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. There is some breaking news happening at the moment. Uh, the president of Peru has attempted a coup. How does the president of Peru attempt a coup? Well, he tried to shut down the Congress of Peru as they were voting to impeach him, and all of his cabinet has now resigned, and the military says they will impose order. Now, what's so curious here, I, I read this article, it went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Twenty paragraphs in until you get this, Mr. Castillo. A former farmer, school teacher, and union activist with no previous governing experience narrowly defeated Kiko Fujimori, a career right-wing politician in last year's election. Um, uh, he, they never actually mention that the incumbent president of Peru is a leftist uh, with uh, Marxist sensibilities. They never mention that at all. 20 paragraphs in, you find out he ran against a uh, right-wing career politician, but you never actually hear anywhere in this. It goes on, let's see, uh, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 paragraphs long. Tw the 20th of 25 paragraphs, you get that he chall was challenged by a right-wing politician, but they never actually acknowledge that he himself is a far left um, Marxist who has had all sorts of corruption problems. They acknowledge the corruption problems, just not the political leanings of the guy. You and I know darn well that if he were a right winger who dissolved the Congress and installed an emergency government to rule by decree, he would be reading Peru's right-wing president echoing Donald Trump after January 6th announced the dissolution of Congress and the installation of an emergency government to rule by decree in a stunning move that political leaders across the spectrum were quick to denounce as a coup attempt emboldened by Donald Trump. You know they would do that. But they haven't done it here because he's a leftist. Unreal. Okay, um, I gotta. I have to encourage you to do something, all of you. I need you, every single one of you listening, to stick around after this break and come back to me. I, I, I genuinely, truly, God's honest truth, I need you here with me. Because I gotta talk about a news story that because of the events of the day, I haven't been able to get to earlier, and I must. It's in the Washington Post, and it turns out, I do, I want to spoil it for you. It turns out Shark Week on the Discovery Channel, yes, that Shark Week, it turns out Shark Week is racist. I know, I thought it was a fake story. I thought it was like a Babylon Bee story. I clicked through and read it and thought, is it April Fool's? What is this? But nope, 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 nope. The Washington Post has actually produced a story in its pages that claims Shark Week is racist and has too many white men named Mike in charge of Shark Week. You can't really make this stuff up anymore. The left has become a parody of itself. Stick around. 
can't wait to read you some of this. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course of the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C. who just want to play political football and have power. Americas for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans. If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I got to acknowledge out of the gate, I thought this story was from a parody site like The Onion or The Babylon Bee. But it is actually from The Washington Post where democracy allegedly dies in darkness. It is from someone named Daniel Wu. The headline is Shark Week Lacks Diversity, Overrepresented, Overrepresents Men Named Mike, Scientists Say. In the subtitle, researchers say discoveries programming overwhelmingly featured white men as experts while emphasizing negative messages about Sharks. I thought it was a parody because it starts with a woman whose last name is Whiteneck. So <laughs> the Discovery Channel Shark Week is racist and features too many white people. Over to you, Lisa Whiteneck. <laughs> Not White neck, but white knack, I guess I should say, N-A-C-K. Um, as opposed to redneck or white neck, it's white knack. Lisa White Knack loved sharks as a kid. She spent rainy days leafing through a guide to sharks and Reader's Digest. Every summer, she watched Shark Week, Discovery's annual TV event that spotlights the ocean predator with seven days of dedicated programming. But when the scientists appeared on her TV screen, she rarely saw any women she could look up to. Me, 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 me. Why would I know I could do that, White Neck said? I don't come from a family of scientists. I didn't see very many people that look like me on TV. So you need people who look like your family on TV? You need your dad to dress up in a white lab coat? Mr. Whiteknack, tell us about the great white shark. Whiteknack, now a biology professor at Allegheny College in Meadville, Pennsylvania, found her way into shark researching. Oh, so she didn't actually need to have people who look like her on TV. When the pandemic lockdowns came in 2020, she saw an opportunity to study the source of her old misconceptions. Was Shark Week feeding audiences the wrong messages about sharks and who studies them? White Knack 
led a team of researchers to examine hundreds of Shark Week episodes that aired between 1988 and 2020 in a study published last month by the Public Library of Science. Their research claims Discovery's programming emphasized negative messages about sharks, lacked useful messaging about shark conservation, and overwhelmingly featured White men, but not white knack men. There were no white knack men involved. She didn't see anybody look like her. Just white men, including several with the same name. We've got a cracker problem named Mike. The programming featured white experts and commentators named Mike more than men and David Schiffman a conservationist at Arizona State University who was a co-author of the study. When there are hundreds of people of color interested who work in the field, and when my field is more than half women, maybe it's not an accident anymore that they're only featuring white men, Schiffman says. Wait just a damn minute. The whole premise of this story is that without featuring women... No woman will want to become a researcher of sharks, and yet they admit more than half the field is already full of women. Maybe they're featuring the men to boost the number of men who say, I think I want to study sharks too. Discovery did not respond for comment on the study's findings, but did send a model of a short bus to the Washington Post. I might have made up that last part. The company told NBC Boston it wouldn't comment on a study that has yet to pass any scientific approvals after a preliminary version was presented in 2021. It has since undergone scientific review. White Knack says, Shark Week, the 34-year tradition and consistent rating trial has drawn criticism in the past. Scientists and TV critics blasted the event in 2020 for announcing a roster of TV specials that featured six white men out of eight named experts. White Knack's study found that the trend persisted through almost all of the television events history. Over 90% of the 229 experts were white, but not white Knack. Carly Bohannon, a marine biologist and co-founder of... <laughs> Minorities in shark sciences. So it's like a dolphin in the shark world, easily confused unless you pay attention to the tail. Praise the study for putting numbers to her and her colleagues. Long-standing concerns about diversity in both the media and shark science, but they already are a majority of the researchers. So isn't this affirmative action to give the men a starring role since there aren't as many men? Their logic, not mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. This is an actual news story. This is like an actual thing they're really worked up about. I'm sorry. The marine biologists and co-founders of Minorities and Shark Sciences also known as Black Lives Matters in Shark Studies, praised the study for putting numbers to her and her colleagues' long-standing concerns about diversity in both the media and shark science. When Bohannon founded her organization with three other black scientists in 2020, it was the first time any of them had met other black women in the field. 
We all grew up seeing one type of person on TV. Shark Week was really the biggest thing, and it was always filled with white men. And you didn't stay out of it. You went into it. Three of you went into it, despite seeing all those white men. According to a separate diversity study co-written with Schiffman, more than half the members of the American Elasmo Branch Society, an academic group supporting the study of sharks and other fish, are women. But over 70% of the group's leadership positions have been held by men. Women in marine sciences can also face a misogynistic culture. Marine biologist Catherine McDonald wrote in Scientific American in 2020, Shark Week further concentrates power in the form of publicity and media attention in the hands of white male featured scientists exacerbating academic power imbalances. In the latest study, White Knack... And other researchers found that more Shark Week episodes included stories of attacks and other fear-mongering messages than positive language describing sharks as awe-inspiring or economically important, which the study called a missed opportunity. Oh, for God's sakes, you got a bunch of women screaming the men are overrepresented because the men aren't being all touchy-feely in describing the sharks. If only they described them as cute and pretty, and as long as they described them in matching color tones, everything would be okay, but they don't. They say they might eat animals. Oh, they're so, they say they're swimming jaws. And don't encourage them to brush their teeth. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just... Um, do you know the Discovery Channel has used Shark Week to promote legislation protecting sharks and to raise awareness that sharks are not the monsters that the movie Jaws presumed they were. In fact, my friends who have become big fans of sharks have done so because of Shark Week. And they've lectured me for years that sharks are not the dangerous monsters that I have claimed them to be, though they, I would notice, don't want to go swimming with the great whites because I guess actually it's the great whites. They're not man killers. They're racists. They're white after all. The cracker shark. White Neck and Bohannon agreed the biggest concern was with the program's lack of diversity and how that might shape young scientists' perceptions of marine biology and whether they could enter the field. So these two women who entered the field that is dominated by women are afraid that other women might not enter a field dominated by women unless they see those women on television. They really are women. My goodness gracious. Diversity in people brings diversity in thought, which ultimately brings innovation, Bohannon said. Being able to see someone who looks like you in this field really has an impact. I am really disappointed no one in the story is named Karen. White Knack says Discovery hasn't contacted the research group. In 2020, National Geographic developed a partnership with minorities and shark sciences that allowed members of the organizations to participate in the network's competing program, Shark Fest. Seven scientists of color from the group 
appeared in this year's program. Seven scientists of color rolls off the tongue. Bohannon appeared on Shark Fest twice to talk about nurse sharks. Why not doctor sharks, you stereotype? The Bahamas and how they've adapted to swim in shallow water. It felt like a milestone. Bringing on the woman to talk about the nurses instead of the doctors, they should be condemned for that, should they not? Just seeing myself on TV, Bohannon said it was very surreal. That's the ticket here. These people are upset that they themselves have not gotten on TV. They're jealous females. That's what it is. Oh, my. Oh, my. No, I'm, oh, I'm not going to say, nope, nope, not going to say anything. Not gonna, Nope, not going to say that. Nope, not going to catch me in that. I'm just saying. You got a bunch of people who seem like they want to be on TV. I mean, this article, this this is, yeah, I'm spending way more time on this than I should, but the whole thing is ludicrous. So two women who went into studying sharks complained that women might not get into studying sharks if they see too many men on television, even though the majority of the people who go into studying sharks are women. That is an emotional argument, not actually premised on the actual data. If their complaint is that not enough women are going to be inspired to go do it, then notice the arrogance here that that they did it when no one on television looked like a white knack. Lisa White Knack still went and worked in the field of shark sciences, a field dominated by women. And if other women don't see other women on television, then they might not do it, even though the whole field is dominated by women. It actually sounds like this is the story of a couple of jealous women who wanted to be on television and didn't get the gigs on Discovery Channel. They had to go for the lesser gig on National Geographic. And so they've decided to do an entire research project to try to get themselves on television. Isn't it amazing how science, science can be steered towards the whims of those who know how to harness the language of the wokes to get their way? Good grief. Shark Week lacks diversity and overrepresented men named Mike. That's what scientists say. Two angry women. <laughs> wow. And this is in the the piece in the, the newspaper that claims democracy dies in the darkness of Shark Week. No easy way to transition to tell you the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is awesome. It eliminates odors, and you can get three of them for less than $200. What you do is go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, EdenPureDeals.com, ERIC3 is the discount code. You get three of them for less than $200. You save $200, and you get free shipping. Through all of the inflationary stuff over the last couple of years, I've been telling you about Eden Pure for a while. They haven't gone up on price on this. It eliminates odors, pet Odors, litter box odors, smoke odors, uh, cooking odors, musty odors. It traps the pollen and the dust floating in the house on its electrostatic plates. It's filterless. You don't have to get a subscription for filters. It just works. It wipes out odors. I keep one in my travel bag when I'm traveling. If my hotel room doesn't smell good, if someone smoked in the rental car, you just plug it in into the wall or with a USB cord and you wipe out the odors. 
It is EdenPureDeals.com. That's the website. On the front page, you'll see a discount code box. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, at EdenPureDeals.com. ERIC3, you get three for less than $200. Save $200, and you get free shipping. Uh, Y'all, okay, actually, I got to move on from the Shark Week thing. I'm putting it up on Twitter right now. If you want to follow me at EW Erickson, you can get this. But literally, this conservationist says, when there are hundreds of people of color interested who work in the field and when my field is more than half women, Maybe it's not an accident anymore that they're only featuring white men. Maybe it's because they're trying to boost the numbers of white men in the field. I mean, my goodness, maybe that's it based on your own logic. But I got to move to something else. There is a story out, and it is uh, about Tom Cotton, who is a friend of mine who has been on this program. If you will recall, back in 2020, Kroger, the country's largest grocery store chain, got sued in federal court after two former employees claimed they were wrongfully terminated for refusing to wear aprons celebrating Pride Month. The ex-employees were Christians and said they did not want to endorse Pride Month. The complaint was filed by the EEOC on behalf of Brenda Lawson, 72, and Trudy Rickard, 57, who worked at a Kroger store in Conway, Arkansas, for several years before being fired. The two women were allegedly disciplined and terminated after they refused to wear new aprons issued in April that featured an embroidered rainbow heart in the top left portion of the bib for LGBTQ pride during Pride Month. Kroger declined to confirm that it was for pride purposes, but it was very clearly timed with that. The women believe in the Bible and they don't believe they want to advocate it. Kroger has become increasingly woke over time. Well, now guess what? Kroger is under fire from the Biden administration because the Biden administration is opposed to their merger with Albertsons. Uh, Where I'm from in Louisiana, Albertsons is a very big grocery store chain, and Kroger wants to merge with them. The Biden administration is giving them a very hard time, and they've gone to Capitol Hill to complain. The Kroger CEO has. I want to play for you the audio from Senator Tom Cotton in his response. This situation reminds me a little bit of the situation big tech companies have found themselves in in recent years. They've come to Washington because they fear regulation from our Democratic friends or action by the Biden administration, and they expect Republicans who are traditionally more supportive of free enterprise to come to their defense. And I've cautioned them for years that if they silence uh, conservatives and center-right voters across the country, if they discriminate against them in their company, they probably shouldn't come and ask Republican senators to carry the water for them whenever our Democratic friends want to regulate them or block their mergers. So I, I've heard a lot, a, lot, a lot of questioning about that today, and I've read a lot about it in the news. Um, and I'll say this. I'm sorry that's happening to you. Best of luck. <laughs> and he dropped his microphone. <laughs> Good for them. Good for Tom Cotton. Yes. Why help them when they're burning bridges with us?